Well, Happy New Year. Now, I can tell who stayed up real late by just your response for that. So, how many stayed up to watch the ball drop the new year to come in, okay? All right, you have probably about three times the number of people that at the 9 o'clock service, which I would expect. Uh, how many of you stayed up to watch all the Georgia games? <laughs> well, there were more people than that, you know, that stayed up to watch all the Georgia games. So, uh, for those of you who stayed up to watch the Georgia game, you probably did enough praying for 2023 already. I'm sure that you got in a lot of prayers during that time. Well, it is great to be into a new year, and it's exciting to think about what God has ahead as 2023 dawns and what God is wanting to do among us. In just a few moments, we're going to do something in the service that we oftentimes do at this time of year, which for me is, um, is so meaningful. As a matter of fact, I believe it's one of the most meaningful events that uh, in, from my perspective as a pastor that we, we do in the church, and it's called renewal of baptism. And what will happen is this. You will be invited to come forward, and Pastor Jacqueline or I will be on either side of the, the baptismal uh, fount here, and, and we'll stick our finger into water and dip it and then put a water cross on your forehead and say, remember your baptism and rejoice. Every time that I've been a part of such a service as this, I'm always amazed at how God moves in people's lives during that experience. Something powerful in that moment takes place. Now, we as Methodists come from a tradition where we believe that baptism is more about what God does than what we do as human beings. We believe that through baptism, God takes the initiative to place His mark on our lives to claim us as His own. In our life, in relationship to God, God is the one who always takes the first step. God comes to us where we are, as we are, in order to offer His grace and love to us so that we can enter into a relationship with God. There's absolutely nothing that you have done, anything that you can do to earn or merit God's grace, God's gift, God's love. Paul, as he wrote to the folks at, at Ephesus, he shared with them about this, and he wrote these words. He said this. He says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. He's saying, There's nothing you've done to earn this. It's purely God's gift to us. And not only does God come to us first, and God comes to us even though we don't deserve it or expect it, He often and generally does come to us when we least deserve it. Paul, when he wrote to the church in Rome, wrote these words that, that demonstrates, he says, but God demonstrates His own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The words from Deuteronomy were originally spoken by Moses as the Hebrew children were preparing to enter into the promised land. Now, you may remember the story, but, you know, they had been slaves down in Egypt. God sent Moses to Egypt to bring liberation to those slaves. 
They were freed after this long struggle with Pharaoh. And then they went into the wilderness area and there in that region wandered for some 40 years. Now, they are at the doorway to be prepared to go into this land of promise, a land flowing with milk and honey. And these are words that Moses was speaking to them to help them remember where they had come from and where they were going. Now, the Hebrews were people like us who follow Jesus. They had been people who had experienced God's grace directly. They had been chosen by God, not because they were the wisest of all people, not because they were the strongest of all people, and not because they were the most numerous nation. They were chosen because it was a gift of God, grace and love that God extended to them. So they knew something about what we know something about in terms of God taking the first step and giving grace even before it's ever earned or deserved. And now as they were preparing to enter into this land... Moses speaks some words that are absolutely intriguing. He says, what does the Lord ask of you? What is it that God really wants from you Hebrews? Now those words, I believe, are words that not only had great meaning for them, but are words that have continued to echo to every person, every generation, every nation that has experienced God's grace. What does God ask of you? Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German pastor and theologian who was put to death uh, during the, the Nazi era of Germany during World War II, wrote a penetrating book entitled The Cost of Discipleship. In the opening of the pages of the book, he writes about how to be a good Christian. And he writes these words. In last resort, what we do want to know is not what this or that man or this or that church have of us, but what Jesus Christ wants of us. His words demonstrate that God has a desire for our lives. He fully understood that that God's grace was free and given freely to all people. But when one receives grace to live out the life of faith, there was a cost to that life of faith. His work reminds me a lot of what Moses is saying here in Deuteronomy. What is it that God asks of you? Now, most of us have encounters where we've had a great offer of something and we begin to explore this great deal and we begin to understand that this deal has some kind of strings attached to it. Such as, if you go to Ruth Chris for dinner, you have to stay for a two-hour session on planning for retirement. <laughs> or, you can have two free nights and three free days at the beach if you spend one of those days listening to the manipulation to buy timeshare. Strings attached. Now we need to understand this though about God's offer. God's offer comes to us free. There aren't strings attached. It's not that you've got to do this in order to receive God's grace. God's grace is freely given. 
But what we really find here in Moses' words are, what response do we have to what God has done for us? What does God ask of you? What does God ask of you? As human beings, we have this tendency to compartmentalize our life, you know, put our life in different kinds of boxes. We have this box for home life, this box for work life, we have this box for entertainment, we have this box for our faith, and, and, and we like to, you know, kind of put stuff in those boxes. It, it, it kind of helps many of us keep our lives organized. And in our faith box, we probably have a couple of activities that we do. Uh, we often gather like this and for worship, and that we put that in that box. Uh, we, some of us, uh, you know, get up in the morning or in the evening, we'll have some prayers, and we put that in that uh, uh, religious or faith box. But when we begin to explore what Moses is saying, there's a different kind of idea being projected here, that our faith is not some department in our life. Our faith is to be incorporated in all of who we are and what we do. All of what we are and all of what we do. In Moses' message to the Hebrews, we find that there are five verbs that he mentions. Fear, walk, love, serve, and observe. Now, I want to try to take those five words and draw a picture for you that maybe will make some sense of what Moses was saying. Five words. Five words. Fear, walk, love, serve, and observe. The center word of those five is love. I believe that's no accident. I believe it's intentional. Because it is at the heart and center what Moses is communicating to the Hebrews, love. Think of the human body. At the heart is love. God asks us to love Him. Now, for those of you who've been around church for a while, that comes as no surprise to you. You probably expect me to say something about love on the first Sunday of the new year, don't you? But love truly is the heart and center of our relationship, of our response to God. Love. Love. In what is in the book of Deuteronomy, the most important passage, and I would argue the most important passage in all the Old Testament, is a, is a section called the Shema, which is found in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Shema merely is the Hebrew word for hear. And it begins, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and strength. Jesus, when I asked what's the most important commandment, quoted that, those words. Love the Lord with everything you got. Love is at the heart of what God wants. God wants you and me to love Him in response to the love and grace He's shown to us. Love God. In Hebrew, the idea of love conveys three important things. 
First of all, there is an emotional component of love. There is this affection we feel within us toward God when we love God. Then, also in Hebrew, there's this aspect that love is to be mutual. God loves us, we love God in response. And you know, in any relationship, if love is one-sided, if, if the one love doesn't respond in love to the one that's expressing the love, then something's really missing in that relationship. And so, there is this mutual component. And then the third component of love in Hebrew is action. Love is more than a feeling, and love is more than saying, I love you. Love is action toward the one loved. And that's what we find in these other expression verbs that are found here in this passage. They're basically two pairs which parallel one another. These parallels help to describe the action that's important. The first pair is this, to fear God and to serve God with all that's in us. Fear and serve. Fear and serve. These are parallel words. Now, quite honestly, when I hear the word fear God, it feels and sounds a bit strange to me. Does that mean I'm supposed to be afraid of the one who loved me enough to give his son for me and the world? Am I to fear the one who created me and made me as I am? Well, in the Hebrew, the word fear can carry the sense of being afraid of someone or something. But there's really another meaning that's far deeper and more important and pertinent to what's in this passage. You see, fear is about honoring, respecting, and revering. Honoring, respecting, and revering. God calls us to honor and to revere Him. Do you hold the Lord in high regard? Do you acknowledge God's authority and majesty? When talking to others about the Lord, do you show respect toward God? Do you seek to honor God by what you do and what you say? There are perhaps two questions that would be valuable for us in this new year to ask as we think about this idea, concept of fearing or respecting God. These are the two questions. Anytime you're preparing to do something, ask, will this honor God? And maybe every morning we could ask another question, how today can I honor the Lord? The parallel to fearing is that of serving God. God wants us to serve Him with our whole heart and soul. He wants us to put ourselves into this act of serving. And serving, while on one hand is periodic activities we do for God's sake, it could be like helping our neighbor when our neighbor's in need, it could be teaching a Sunday school class, it could be being a part of a prayer ministry, or any other of those multitude of activities it could be. But serving is also more. Here the concept is that we are to serve God in everything we do. In the work we do, where we get our paycheck, in the activities we do around our home, even running the vacuum cleaner, 
Patty, I don't think my arm works that way, though. How does that go? So, <laughs> But in everything we do, honor the Lord. Now, it's interesting here, too, that this word to serve is oftentimes translated as worship. Worship is service to God. What we have done in this place this morning is an act of worship or an act of service. God longs and enjoys His family to gather in worship. When we worship God in those private moments, during our devotional lives, when we're in our car and we have the radio on and we're singing with some Christian music or, or, or humming along the tune, those are times we serve the Lord. God wants us to serve Him. The final two actions that parallel each other are walking on God's paths and observing His commandments. It's really kind of saying the same thing. Walking along God's paths and observing God's commandments. You can kind of think of those as legs on this body. Uh, several years ago, um, I had been over in the Hickson area, and I was returning home to Ottawa. And uh, on my way back, I thought, I'll stop by Enterprise Park and hike one of the trails. Now, I had never been on any of the trails in Enterprise, and some folks who I knew would often hike those trails and kept telling me, Dwight, you need to go sometimes. I thought, well, this would be a great day. It was nice weather outside. And so I pulled my car into the location, and as I started on one of the trails, I picked up one of the little pieces of paper that had all the trails marked on it and their distance and so forth. And I glanced at that paper, and then I folded it up, and I put it in my pocket. Two hours, I think it's actually two and a half hours later, I realized I was lost. I had no idea where I was. So, you know what I did, don't you? I, I took out that map out of my pocket and I began to look at it. And the more I looked at it, the loster I found that I really was because I had no clue on that map where I was. You see, I glanced at the map at the beginning but hadn't looked at it again, really hadn't paid attention to all the markers along the trail as to where I was, and I was lost. And you know what I had to do? I had to do the unthinkable. Guys, I hate to confess this in front of you, but I had to ask a fellow hiker that I passed on the trail who happened to be female, how do I get back to my car? I was so embarrassed. But I learned something that day. I learned that if you're walking the path and trail... You need to pay attention to the map and refer to it often and pay attention to where you are. God has a pathway for us that leads to life abundant. God's desires in our lives, His expectations, His commands, His directives, His desires are designed to lead us to a place where life is full of meaning and joy. But in order to get there, we must follow the map. And our map, sisters and brothers, is this book. 
the Bible. I encourage you, read this book. Be a part of groups where it's talked about, where it's studied, where it's thought about. Go online and get a hold of some of the good resources that teach us about the Bible, things like the Bible Project, that can help us understand what the Word is. Because in this book, we find a path that leads to life abundant. Perhaps at some point uh, you've heard an authority figure say this, if you know what's good for you, You'll do such and such. Now, I know growing up that that meant if I didn't do something, I was going to face the consequences. My dad, by the way, is here today. Now, the words here, though, are different that Moses speaks. He says that God has given us this pathway in His his commandments for the Hebrews' own good. They're given for our own good. They're not a threat. They're for our own good. Uh, Just the other day, my father and I were talking uh, Dad and I have between us over 100 years in ministry. That's a long time, isn't it? Uh, Dad's still a young man, so we both started pretty young. Uh, but we were talking about some experiences in ministry and how that some of the choices that people make lead them in places that lead to hurt, deep hurt, because they go their own way. And we were talking in particular about guys and gals that choose to live together unmarried and and talk about how that that so often leads to such great hurt because there's no commitment, there's no promise. When things get rough, one will leave the other at the time when the other needs them the most and and, and there's no legal connection there and, and, and it just leads to hurt. You know, God didn't, hasn't given us His will and His way to make us miserable or to, to be old fuddy-duddies or whatever you want to call it. God gives us His plan and expectation to give us life. Yes. Life that makes a difference. Life that's full of meaning. It's for our own good. Well, this morning, as we prepare to celebrate our renewal of baptism, I invite you to take time to make a renewed commitment to fear the Lord, to walk in His ways, to love Him with everything you got, to serve Him with your whole being, and to observe His commandments. Let's pray. Father, today we pray that we would understand what you desire of us And Lord, help us this day to have a renewed commitment to these activities to show and demonstrate our love for you and to experience the depth of your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.